Repeat that for a man with a bland and chinless mug, he certainly exhibited a frustrating mixture of brilliance and stupidity. For example, he declared himself to be a pagan. He predicted that there would be a healthy future for humankind once paganism took over the world. Everyone's soul would then be enriched with hitherto unacceptable pleasures. None of us could conceive, however, of an orgy where carnality would rise to such a pitch that you might find a woman ready to throw herself into a flesh-melting role with Heinrich Himmler. No, not even in the most innovative spirit. For you could always see his face as it must once have been at a school dance, that bespectacled, disapproving stare of the wallflower, tall, thin, a youth full of physical ineptitude, Already he had a small pot belly. There he was, ready to wait by the wall while the dance went on. Yet he grew obsessed over the years with matters others did not dare to mention aloud, which, I must say, is usually the first step to new thought. In fact, he paid close attention to mental retardation. Why? Because Himmler subscribed to the theory that the best human possibilities lie close to the worst. So he was ready to assume that promising children, when found in low, nondescript families, could be incestuaries. The word in German, as he coined it, was incestuaria. He did not like the more common term of such disgrace, bluchanda, blood scandal, or as it is sometimes employed in polite circles, dramatic des blutes, blood drama. None of us felt sufficiently qualified to say that his theory could be dismissed. Even in the early years of the SS, Himmler had recognized that one of our prime needs was to develop exceptional research groups. We had a duty to search into ultimates. As Himmler put it, the health of National Socialism depended on nothing less than these letze Fragen, last questions. We were to explore problems that other nations do not dare go near, Incest was at the head of the list. The German mind had to re-establish itself again as the leading inspiration to the learned world. In turn, so went his unstated coupling, much recognition might be given to Heinrich Himmler for his profound attack on problems originating in the agricultural milieu. He would emphasize the underlying point— Husbandry could hardly be investigated without comprehending the peasant. Yet to understand this man of the earth was to speak of incest. Here, I promise you, he would hold up his hand in precisely that little gesture Hitler used to employ, one prissy flip of the wrist. It was Heinrich's way of saying, Now comes the meat, and with it the potatoes. Off he would go on a peroration. Yes, he would say. Incest, this is one very good reason that old peasants are devout. An acute fear of the sinful is bound to display itself by one of two extremes, absolute devotion to religious practice, or nihilism. I can recall from my student days that the Marxist Friedrich Engels once wrote, when the Catholic Church decided adultery was impossible to prevent, they made divorce impossible to obtain. A brilliant remark even if it comes from the wrong mouth. As much can be said for blood scandal, 
that is also impossible to prevent, so the peasant looks to keep himself devout. He nodded. He nodded again as if two good pumps of his head might be the minimum necessary to convince us that he was speaking from both sides of his heart. How often, he asked, could the average peasant of the last century avoid these blood temptations? After all, that was not so easy. Peasants, it had to be said, were not usually attractive people. Their features were worn away by hard labor. Besides, they reeked of the field and the barn. Personal odors were at the mercy of hot summers. Under such circumstances, would not basic impulses trigger forbidden inclinations? Given the paucity of their social life, how were they to acquire the ability to stay away from entanglements with brothers and sisters, fathers and daughters? He did not go on to speak of the pell-mell of limbs and torso.